I'm going to share with you a thought process, how I came to the next topic. The thought process will take a few minutes, but then eventually we'll move to our topic. It'll probably take us a, a, a more than one week, as we've been doing recently. Um, so, uh, thinking about last week's Parsha, Klaiser receives the first mitzvah, which is given to Klaiser uh, as a nation, which is the, the mitzvah of and the Torah proceeds to give Klaisel, the version gives Klaisel the mitzvahs of Korban Pesach, etc. Uh, I try to put myself into a thought process what would it feel like to get the mitzvahs? So, person, we, we've lived in a world which we have basically Shem Mitzvah Ben Noyach. Shem Mitzvah Ben Noyach are pretty much our prohibitions. Don't do this, don't do that. They're not active things that you have to do. The only active thing you have to do in the Shemitz of Benayah is establish courts which would make sure that you keep all of the other rules. So don't steal, don't kill, don't take somebody else's wife, etc. Okay, so all of a sudden you told, told you that you have to you have to set up set up a bezdin for Rosh for Rosh Chodesh, and you have to check the court and pass. You have to do things. You now have responsibilities. So you move from a world where you have basically minimal responsibility in the, in the, in the, in the active sense. Um, as long as you don't mess it up, you're good to go. And now you have responsibility. So what was the reaction to that? Um, it's not freedom in the, in the, the American sense. You do whatever you want. So without getting involved in which obviously is a very valid point, um, but I'm talking to a, a secular, a secular uh, Jew who doesn't necessarily ascribe to that concept, and we can try and convince them on that. But the first step is: Do we really want freedom? What, what exactly do we want? So uh, we live near University Boulevard, and the speed limit on University Boulevard, I think, is 40 miles an hour. I want to drive uh, 80 miles an hour on University Boulevard, right? So I said, well, don't do that because there's a speed limit. So why do I listen to that? Why do I decide to do that? So obviously there's one reason why I decide to do that, because I'm worried about the repercussions. It'll cost me a lot of money if I get caught, right? But let's say I know the, the, uh, the people who put that rule into place, and I have respect for them, and I trust that they have a good reason why they did that. So even though I, I don't know why it's so important, I'm going to listen to them because I trust the individuals who put it in place. There are many laws which exist in our society which we do them because we trust the, uh, the, the institutions which created them that there's a good reason why they're there. And we are happy to have them there because we recognize that they're beneficial for society and I'm going to gain from it in the long run. I don't understand why they're beneficial. But that's not going to prevent me from wanting to listen to them because I trust the ones who created it. Parents rely on this concept with children all the time. Right? Parents tell the children to do things, not to do things, etc. The child does not necessarily understand why it's important. He's not necessarily developed enough to understand the repercussions of what he's doing. Because he trusts the parents, he says, well, if my parents said it for me, and I know the parents... Um, care about me, and they also I, they have more knowledge about the world than I do, so I'm going to listen to them. Uh, you will get a child occasionally which will refuse to listen to any directive from the parents, either because they don't trust the parents, 
or because they have a syndrome called ODD, oppositional defiance disorder, that they like saying no to everything. Right? But the average child in general will not do that. But so predicated on the concept of trust, that there's some, that there's a true benefit for this, I'm willing to forgo my freedoms. I'm willing to go for freedom because I believe that it's going to be beneficial in the long run. If I do not trust the institution which created it, so I do not want to forgo my freedoms. So a lot of what's going on in our society is this issue of uh, not trusting the institutions and therefore not being willing to forgo freedoms. Okay, that was the thought process. Which So the Kleiso comes to receive the mitzvahs. And they say, you know what? Now, now you're telling me that i got to get up every morning at the... At, Kriyashma is my Kriyashma. I live pretty pretty far north, and sunrise is very early. And my Kriyashma, you know, is, is sometimes could be eight o'clock in the morning. So Shabbos morning, I I, I got to get to. The, I have to get up like really early. I want to sleep late, and I, I want to eat whatever I want to eat, and etc. 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 So why am I going to listen? Why do I want to listen? Why am I willing to forgo and just say, you know, don't tell me what to do? Why am I going to pull back? Because I trust the one who's giving it to me, that he has he has my best intentions in mind. So I trust him that he knows what's good. I, I, he has the best intentions in mind. But who said he knows what's good and what's bad? I trust him that he knows what's good and what's bad. I trust him that he has my best intentions in mind, based on that. And I trust him that the, 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 these actions or, or limits will produce those benefits. So assuming that I have those three, things, those three things in place, I'm willing to forgo my freedom in order to be commanded. This has been the reality of man, man throughout all of the generations, that people listened to the hierarchy of, this, the, of the government as, much, as long as they trusted the government. When you had a benevolent king, which people recognized that he really cared about his people, people in the vast majority of time were willing to listen to the, to the directives of the king because they trusted him. And when that wasn't so, they only did it based on fear, and they felt that the fear no longer was relevant, they would rebel. Right? But it, 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 in the scenarios where they tr- believed in not the king, but in a, in a government, the same thing is true, etc., etc. So it brought me to the thought about this idea of that, together with the, the concept which we have, that we have Bitochel and the Kodesh Boruchu, which we think about in regards to safety and security, we also need to be talking in the Kodesh Baruch in regards to our, the, the Kabbalah's HaMitzvahs. Kabbalah's Ola HaMitzvahs only make, only make sense because we trust the Kodesh Baruch So a, a good part of Yisrael Mitzrayim was for that purpose. You know, I, I'm going to overstate it just to, to, to bring out the point. Kodesh was living through, according to Chazal, the Kodesh the, the, the was for 86 years. So 86 years, not only are they avodim, but they're avodim in a terrible way. There's people who were born and died in total, uh, uh, total oppressed slavery. And of course, Borchel seemingly wasn't there for them. And now he's saying, the Russian comes and says, I care about you, and I'm taking care of you, and I'm, I'm going to bring you out. And I'm going to make expectations from you. So Klai Yisrael, sort of, the Russian sort of says, I'm going to earn your trust. I'm going to prove to you that whatever happened had a reason. Everything which happened was not forgotten. 
and the Barsha was going to use me to connect Misa, that every single time that the Mitzrayim did something negative to Klaisel, the Barsha was aware of it. Haraya, he paid it back exactly as they had done. To, means he knew about it, and he cares about it, and he has the ability to deal with it. So the Rabban says, if we look at the Yishis uh, Mitzrayim, it teaches us the Barsha is a Yudeya. The Barsha knows. Teaches the Barsha is the one which has the Baal he has the ability to do whatever he wants, nothing can stop it. The 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 the, the you see, I'm teaching that the Russian cares that he wants to uh, it was important to him what had happened and he's going to pay it back exactly in kind. So all of those allowed Kaiso to trust the Kaddish Baruch um, Say a crude uh, marshal, you have a child who's an orphan and he's been adopted by or he's been put into foster care by a family which is not necessarily the nicest people and he's living with them. And the situation is not great. And sometimes he decides to run away and go out into the streets. And eventually there's this long-lost uncle who comes searching for him. So the child's going to demand proof that this person cares about him because he has learned not to trust. He has learned not to trust. He says, prove it to me that you care about me before I go live with you. Maybe you're just there to also take advantage of me. So he wants proof. So the, the, the uncle will step in and find the people which have abused him and he will seek retribution. He will find out what had happened and he will be, and, and he will do the best he can to take care of it, etc., etc. Slowly but surely he earns the child's trust. So the Makas were there for Kleisel to earn a, the, the, that Kleisel would learn to trust in a Kaddish Boruch. But not only is that the purpose of that trust that therefore they would now live in a world of safety and security, it's therefore they're going to trust a Kaddish Boruch. When he says, I have, I have things I want you to do, they're going to listen. They're going to listen not because they, they're worried about retribution, like they were under Paro, because they trust the one who's giving it that it's for their benefit. Uh, so that, that, that's a, a little bit of an, an, an underlying kinech in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. The purpose of the Makas Muflos, the purpose of Kriyas Yamsuf, and the purpose of the matter says that the Mitzrayim, which were more evil to Klai Yisrael, went up and, and down and, and all around, and the ones which were less evil died very quickly. And the matter says that they recognized each one who, who he was and who he had abused. And they were able to see the level of punishment that he got. So it was a very clear that there was a very clear Yad Hashem caring about what had happened and seeking retribution. The The... the we understand then that the first first mitzvah given to Klai Yisrael, Anoch Hashem Olakecha, by the, by Saras Adibris, the 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 Rosh says, "Okay, I'm going to give you mitzvahs because I took you out of Mitzrayim." So it's sim- normally understood to be simply in the Kud of Akar The way we're, what we're adding over here that there's more than just a Akar What we're adding is that that's what allowed Klai Yisrael to be ready to make the mitzvahs because they trusted Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That he's that he's giving it to to Klai Yisrael because it's important for Klai Yisrael, it's beneficial for Klai Yisrael, and therefore they should do it. Where do you find such a concept? So if you look at Parshas Veschanon, in the Parsha of Avadim Hayinu, which the Torah gives as a response to the Ben Chacham. So the Arabanim, which we talk about in the Haggadah, are actual psukim from the Torah. It's not just 
you know, we made up four bonim. Connected arba bonim deeper Torah means that the brushim. These are four phrases which are found in the Torah where there's a conversation between a father and a child. One of them, the father, starts the conversation, instigates it. That's he got to the bin chabiyam huleim more at the end of parsha's boat. There is a question of a time which he asks Mazois. That's also the end of parsha's the parsha's boat. There is the question, the the statement of the ben Russia that he says, which is also found in Parshas Bo, and you and which we say later on in the Haggadah, and then there's the question of the of the Ben Chacham. Ben Chacham is actually found not in Parshas Bo; it's found in Parshas Veschanan. And the pasuk says, "There's going to come a time, there's going to be a time in the future which will child will ask you, what are all these mitzvahs about? What are the different types of mitzvahs?" Right? So he says Eschem, because he wasn't there. So he says, you, you, you got the mitzvahs. He's not excluding himself. He's saying, you got the mitzvahs. So I'm not excluding myself, but you were the ones who got the mitzvahs. Explain them to me. So the, the, the question was an explanation for the mitzvahs. And he asks about Eidus, Chukim, and Mishpatim, which means he's a very sophisticated question. He understands the different types of mitzvahs. So we call him a Ben so what's the answer that the Torah gives to that question? So I would imagine that we, we, we get this very learned discourse to explain the different types of mitzvahs. There's Eidus, Chokim, and Mishpatim, and the Mitzvah, Chokim, and Mishpat, and, you know, Rukhaim, Briska, Chakir, we should give a whole Shikul Torah. He's a Ben Chokim, right? He's not coming to give an argument. He's not questioning the validity. Right? It's just he wants to understand what the different things are. So what's the answer that the Torah gives? And you tell him, and the power would refuse to do it, and the Russian punished, punished Mitzrayim. And then it says that then the Pussy tells that, that we the, 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 the Torah's answer to the child is five psukim long. So Avadim is, is one of the psukim, and etc. And then it says a nusach, which we actually say, not in the Haggadah, we actually say it on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, all the way at the end of Musaf, we have this long paragraph, the last thing before the bracha in the Chazar Sashat, that, that, that the Barsham gave us the Chukim Mishpatim, and it's going to be L'toi v'lono kolimim l'chai yisena k'yem azeh, u'stoka t'yalono, k'yishmar l'asetos kolim etzazos kashir t'yishmar l'asetos kashir it's that the Russian gave us these mitzvahs, it's good for us. To give us life. It's going to be a merit for us. It's going to be beneficial for us. So it means that the, the Torah never answered the, the difference between Chukim and The child is asking, why is Torah so complicated? Why are there so many details? Why are there so many different types of mitzvahs? What's it all about? What's this, you know, you know, why do we need Tariyag mitzvahs? Why do we need all of this? Not, not Lekantar. He wants to understand. The answer is my, my child. And it's interesting when he, he asks, Eidus Chukim and Mishpatim. That the Torah's answer only refers to chukim. Because the bottom line is, we don't understand why everything is beneficial, how it's beneficial. But we trust the one who gave it to us. That it's, it's good for us. So, but how do you know that? 
So that, that answer is a vehicle to bring home to us that we trust the Kodesh Baruch that he's doing it for our benefit. And therefore the Russian gave us the mitzvahs which are beneficial for us. And we should do them because they're beneficial for us. So it discusses a, a relationship of trust which allows us to feel comfortable committing to all these different things and therefore it, it refers to them as kulkin. Because even when a parent tells a child, explains to a child why he's expecting the child to do X, Y, and Z, many times the parent has many other reasons which he can't explain to the child because the child doesn't have life experience to understand why those things are so important. So within the, the, the Avis and the Chukim and, and the Mishpatim, there are still Chukim. The Roshim gave us explanation for the Mishpatim. That's all there is. We touched the Kodesh Baruch there are many, many reasons why we do so. He says, so... Back to the crude muscle. So, 40 miles an hour on, 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 on University Boulevard. Why 40? Why not 45? That's a chayk. My story says, it says, every mitzvah, even the mitzvahs which are mishpatim, anytime there's, there's a detail, the details usually are chukim. Why kazayas? Why not a kazayas and a half? Why certain things are kabeya? Why certain things are kazevas? Why in four minutes? I, I, we do it in six minutes. No. They, that's all Allah says. So I can give you the I can give you the rules. I can explain to you, but why? I don't know why. Because the Russian said so. Right? right. I would have suggested that, that for the purpose of his we should eat two kazesim. No, the Russian says one is enough. Uh, you know, there's always an element of chayk. Once you get involved in the details, you're always always getting involved in an element of chayk. So, but why am I doing the chukim? Because I trust the one who gave them. That is good for me. So the topic I want to talk about today is trust. Now, now I told you it's going to be a long introduction to the Shiloh, to, to what the topic is. And that the, the word trust is what we what you call bitochen. And how do you translate bitochen? And one is we believe in a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Okay, I believe in him already. So there's a moon and there's bitochen. Right? So what does bitochen mean? Bitochen is the process that I trust in a Kodesh Baruch I'm willing to rely on him. Right? He tells me something, and I believe it's reliable. Maybe it's not reliable. No, I trust him. I feel safe in relying on, on him. I feel secure in, 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 the, in, in this arrangement. A parent to a child, the child feels an element of security because he trusts the parent. So there is an element of, of security which, which to be talking lends you, but it's, it's predicated on an element of trust. I know Kodesh Baruch Hu created the world, and Kodesh Baruch Hu runs the world, and Kodesh Baruch Hu has all the power of the world, and Kodesh Baruch Hu knows everything which is happening. I know that he, that he loves us. I know that he understands the, that what's important was unimportant. And I, and I now know that he told me to do X, Y, and Z. It's my, for my benefit. So of course I'm going to commit to it. So the, the concept of Bitochen is a, a vehicle to generate trust in the Kodesh Baruch Hu. So Ramban says, he has a server called the Moon of Bitochen, interestingly enough. Uh, it's in, in, the, in, the, the, in the Kolkisa Ramban. So he says that the, the correct relationship between Amuna and Bitochen, Amuna is along the lines of, shall we say, the 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 Concepts and bitochen is the halacha lemaisa of it. It's the translating the muna that you have 
it's a reality. There's people who have Amunah, but if they don't live with that Amunah, that's not, they haven't translated that Amunah into a, a, a defining element of how they live their lives. So the same way that's true in the, the safety and security element, it's true in the, in the mitzvah's element. Let's take an example, the safety and security. I know Roshim runs the world. That's Amunah. I believe. I go through the Yudgim Likrim. I know the Bershom knows everything. I know the Bershom is the one, the, he's the one who has all the ability. I know the Bershom has no limits. And Aguf means he has no limits. That, I know he's the source of everything. I know that I have a direct line to talk to him. So why is my worry, Why am I so worried about my Parnassah? So I have a Muna. I'm not doubting my Muna, but I haven't translated my Muna into my reality if I'm worried about, if I'm worried. The child who's saying take care of the parents doesn't have worries. Right? His parents are, in his mind, his parents are omnipotent, his parents are omniscious, right? they're all powerful, and they can do everything. That's how a four-year-old looks at his parents. His parents are the most powerful beings in the world, and they're taking care of him. He's not running around with, oh my gosh, what's going to be? Are we going to have supper tonight or not? You know, is there enough? Is there enough money for supper? He's not asking those questions. He knows every night there's supper, because his parents take care of it. So the Talmud Melech describes that the relationship with the Kodesh Baruch is kigmolalayimi, as if I'm in a, a babe in its mother's arms. Babe's mother has no has no qualms, has no worries. So the Ramban says that Amuna. That now, if I don't if I don't have that, does mean I don't have Amuna? Of course I believe. I'm not a kaifer. But I haven't taken that amuna and put it into my reality to the point that I live with it. So the Pesach says, we meet in Alachas, the more end that the more makes a whole whole concept, the more starts off with those Tariyamitzes were given to Moshe, and then um, David Amel comes and he Hamidin al Yud Aleph, and then Yishai is Hamidin al Sheish, the more because eventually Bochavachas we meet in Alachas, but Tzadik bemunoso Yichya. His, tzaddik lives with his amuna, so it's not enough to have amuna. We're believers. It's the, that the purpose is to create that, have that, so become so real to you that you live with it. It's part of who you are. It's part of your being. You live with that, and then you will, you, then you will reach a state where you're not worried. And what we're adding right now is that also allow you to ha- feel a commitment to Torah mitzvahs. At a whole different level, because that, that's part of the part of the bittachon as well. So I'll just tell you one story. I said this story over before. Um, one day in Tel Shiva, this this elderly Russian Jew shows up. Uh, he speaks a little bit of Yiddish. He speaks uh, Yiddish. Doesn't speak a word of English. Um, he shows up in yeshiva. Comes there of Shabbos. He shows up in yeshiva. His name was what was his name? Shalom His name is Mayor. Ayadushkin. Ayadushkin. Mayor Ayadushkin. So what's her mayor's story? Why is he tells Yeshiva in the 1970s, 1980s? 1970s must have been, yeah. Uh, 1980s maybe. Beginning of the 1980s, 1981. He says he's from Russia. He lived under under the communist rule for many, many years. He stayed Sherman Shabbos. He stayed from his... Eventually he was able to, to get out of Russia and he went there to Israel. But he's already getting old. He can't live by himself anymore, and his grandchildren were able to, to um, emigrate also, and they came to America. They settled in Cleveland. He's living with his grandchildren. No one by his grandchildren aren't from Nebuch. You know, the, the Russia had had destroyed their 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 
the, the, the Yiddishkeit. So they were loving, taking care of him, etc. But he didn't want to be there for Shabbos. So he asked around, but she understood there was a yeshiva there. So he came to the yeshiva to spend Shabbos. So the yeshiva arranged a, 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 a room for him. And Rameir was us when you came, come out every Shabbos, Rameir used to come for Shabbos. One Shabbos. So he, his Musagim, you know, of you know, the modernity were not great. He took some liver after, after the, 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 the Suda Shabbos day. He took some liver back with him to his dorm room, which wasn't air conditioned, where he was staying. And later in the day, he ate it, and it was, it was spoiled a little bit. He got sick. So somebody noticed Rameir wasn't around. Rameir never had a chance to learn yeshiva. Never, you know, but he used to sit and say, tell him. Rameir wasn't around. They went to the dorm room. They found he was not well. They called, they called for an ambulance, and they're taking him to the hospital. He, was, he had a high fever. He was delirious. In fact, whatever was the whatever was the, the, the infection was, he was not doing well. Imamish was like totally not you know not with it. He was delirious, etc. Rameir doesn't speak a word of English, so one so one of the bachim who spoke Yiddish went with him in the ambulance to the hospital. So the next day, the following story surfaces. So the bachim went, tells over the story that they get to the hospital, and the hospital asks. The bacher, does this person have insurance? Now, the word for insurance is for zikrakait. But uh, this bacher spoke Yiddish, but apparently never heard that word before. So he didn't know how to say, be, how to, how to say insurance in Yiddish. Now, the word for, for insurance in Ivrit is bituach. Bituach lumi, right? Bituach. But this bacher didn't speak Ivrit so well either. So he got almost the right word. He says, he says to the mayor, Erhot bitochen. So this is a man who's delirious. He's like totally not with it. And he asked him, do you have bitochen? Instead of saying bituach. So the mayor says back, Nuvuden, what else? Yedhot bitochen. So in his delirious state, the, 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 the immediate response was, Yed has bitochen. Right? It was baked into his bones. This is a person who lived through World War One and World War Two? There's a person who, you know, eventually made it to Eretz Israel. So, by, by one of the stories that came out by his Levi is that during World War One, when the Mir Yeshiva was traveling because of the the war, they had a, they had a, they became refugees. They ended up in the city of Minsk. Rameir lived in the city of Minsk, and he and his father-in-law were bakers. He worked with his father-in-law. They were bakers. So. Um, one day, one night, they're 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 bringing a wagon, a wagon cart, you know, of, of bread to delivering it somewhere, and they meet like a bocher, and he says, "Can we have some bread?" Now it was illegal to give anybody bread without ration cards. The bocher, as refugees, had no ration card. But it's Yeshiva bocher, so uh, they gave him some bread. Now it was punishable by death. If they get caught, they would be shot. It's considered treason at the time of war that they're giving away food. But a shivacher dafam, he has to have something to eat. And then they told Rameir and his father-in-law that there's a whole kibbutzah bacher, there's a whole group that meets. So they asked, you know, where they're staying, you know, how to get to them. In the middle of the night, they smuggled a whole wagon load of bread to the bacher. And from that point onwards, every night they brought bread to the bacher, and in under danger of being killed, because a yid has been talking. And you do what's the right thing to do, and you don't worry about what's going to happen. That was Rameir Aradushka. 
So he wasn't a tremendously learned individual, but here the person was Moshe Nefesh, because the Yeshiva Baruch learned, learned of Torah. So he used to say to us, he says, you know, he says, you sit and learn, you give him Kodesh Baruch Hu, the meat and potatoes. That's the, the main part of the meal. He says, I'm saying to Tillam, that's, like that's like the dessert. So I give Rosham the dessert afterwards at the end of the meal. And he would sit and say his Tillam. He never learned the Yeshiva, but, but his Musogim of the Cheshivas of Torah, his Musogim of what it meant to take care of another person, was to the point of Messiris Nefesh, because the Yid does what he has to do, and don't worry about the results, because that's the Russian's business, to worry about the results. That's a person who says, when he's delirious, he has no idea what's going on, but you ask him, and he says, yeah, because what else? Nubudan. Right? So that's what we're going to try and talk about the next few weeks, is talk about the concept of Bitochen. It's very appropriate for the, the, the yomtiv of Purim. Now, again, it sounds like we're talking about Pesach already. We're talking about the Parsha, which is the Parsha of Yisrael Mitzrayim. The Betzim, I want to use that as a lead into, the, into some of the Limudim about Purim as well. So the next topic in, Sedar, in, in the Sederat B'nai Torah is the topic of Bitochen, which we'll talk about in the next few weeks. Okay, everybody, say.